Welcome to the Brandmaster Podcast, show specialized in helping branding professionals and entrepreneurs to build brands using strategy, psychology, and creative thinking. This episode originally aired on the Brandmaster Academy YouTube channel, which you can find by searching Brandmaster Academy on YouTube. What's up Brand Builders, Stephen Hurrahan here at BrandMasterAcademy.com and in this video you're going to learn 14 ways to identify and avoid bad clients. So you can redirect your potentially painful time and energy to shaping your business to attract your perfect clients. Now there's an old saying that I've seen time and again that there are no bad clients but through my experiences I beg to differ because I have gone through those experiences and I have dealt with bad clients time and again and they are very much real and they can make your life an absolute misery and for me personally they made me question the industry I was in and whether or not I enjoyed the branding industry and whether or not I wanted to continue to go down that road so they can really make your life hell and be really influential in how you perceive your work and how you go about your day-to-day operation. So it's really important to learn how to identify those types of clients and redirect them so you don't allow them into your business and instead you can focus your efforts on growing your business to attract the perfect clients that you want to work with. Now, there are plenty of signs that you're dealing with a bad client, but unfortunately for you, if you're experiencing these kinds of signs, then you've already allowed that type of client into your business and you know exactly what type of signs I'm talking about here. Clients that speak disrespectfully to you. There there are some clients who believe that just because they're paying you a fee, they can speak to you however they choose and they can make your life hell if they believe that they can speak to you in that kind of way. If that's how they're speaking to you, then that is a sign that you're dealing with a bad client. Then you have clients who don't pay you on time, who drag their feet or who question every single one of your decisions or processes, whether it's got to do with how you operate or whether it's got to do with how you price your services. Or you have clients who will not return your calls or who won't return your emails and drag their feet on any kind of communication. And then you also have the clients who simply disagree with everything that you put in front of them and are constantly asking for revisions. Unfortunately, if you're dealing with these experiences, then you have already let these types of clients into your business. But my first piece of advice would be for those types of clients, just fire them. Unless you absolutely need that revenue, if you need that invoice to put food on the table, just let them go, cut your losses so you can focus and concentrate your efforts elsewhere. Now, hopefully once you've cleared all of those bad clients out of your business, you put a stake in the ground and you make a decision that you are not going to allow those types of clients into your business anymore. And you're only going to go after the types of clients that you want to deal with that will move your business forward. So I'm gonna give you some things that you can look out for to identify those types of clients, to avoid them and redirect them elsewhere. Number one, the quick and easy client. So you're gonna get clients that come into your business and very early on in the conversation, they're going to be using terms like quick or easy or simple. And what they're doing there is they're trying to communicate the idea that what they want you to do should be quick or easy or simple. And if it's not, then 
they don't want that kind of service. And this all points to a budget issue. If they want it to be quick and easy and simple, then chances are they're dealing with a minimum budget here. So if you do get clients who are using that kind of terminology, who are saying words like quick and easy, then that is a sign that you're going to run into trouble down the line. Number two is the future work client. So you often have clients come into your business with a very, very small job on the table. So this could be a flyer or a brochure or a banner ad, something really minuscule that is not really going to move your business forward. It's not gonna generate any significant revenue for your business. And chances are your potential client knows this. So what they do is they try to leverage non-existing future jobs in order to get you to produce that work for them. So an example of this would be, look, I only have this small job at the moment, but next month I have a few other jobs coming up. Now, they may well have other jobs coming up. It's up to you to decide whether or not those jobs are real. And a great way to identify whether they are or not is to ask specific questions about those future jobs. Number three is the SAP client. So this type of client wants everything done SAP. They want it done yesterday. They have very, very short deadlines and they do not consider you as a person or you as a business. The fact that you have other clients or the fact that you don't work until 2 a.m. So these types of clients have very high expectations, not just in the timeline, you'll also find they have high expectations elsewhere. So if they have very, very short deadlines, be wary. Number four is the budget client. Now we all know this client, this is the type of client who talks about price within the first couple of sentences that you're in front of them. That is their main concern. Their main concern is price. It's not anything else. It's not the outcome of the project. It's not the quality of the work. It is the price. Everything else is secondary to that. And if you come across this type of client, it's not good news for you because their priority is to pay you as little as possible. And usually what they're doing is they're shopping around to try and find the lowest possible price. So if they're talking about price within the first few sentences, chances are it's not going to be a good deal for you. Number five is the Terminator client. Now, the Terminator client is named so because they've just terminated their previous designer. Now, they've done that because the previous designer was a bad designer or they just didn't get it. Now, although this might be the reality, they might have been a bad designer or they might have been a junior designer, they just might not have been able to manage that type of client. There is a chance that this designer was perfectly fine and it was the client who was difficult. It was the client who was difficult in communicating what they wanted or were indecisive. So make sure you ask some questions here about why that previous relationship didn't work out because chances are if they fired that designer, there's a good chance they might fire you. Number six, the invisible client. Now I touched on this earlier with the signs that you're dealing with an existing bad client and those types of clients that just disappear or who drag their feet in responding to any kind of communication, returning calls, returning emails, that is a bad client to be dealing with because a project can go from one month to six months just because this client isn't coming to the table. Now, a great way to identify this type of client is to identify this behavior early on in the communication. If you're sending across proposals or you're sending across emails and it's taking them weeks or a fortnight to respond. This is a sign that this client is most certainly going to do this during the project as well. So if that's happening early on, make sure to make a note of that because you'll be dealing with some problems later on. Number seven, the interrogator client. Now the interrogator client 
is a client that will be questioning everything you do. They'll question your processes. They'll question the time it takes you to produce the work. They'll question your price structure and they'll be asking for very specific itemized quotes so that they can identify where within your processes they'll be able to cut costs. So make sure that you keep these types of clients at arm's length. If you have your processes in place, if you have your pricing structure in place, then be confident that they are the processes and the pricing structures that work for you. And don't feel like you need to provide all of that information to the client. If they're asking for that type of information early on, then it's a good sign that you should probably keep them at a distance. Okay, so now you have a few ways to identify the types of clients that are potentially hazardous or bad clients. But how do you go about filtering them out of your business without damaging your reputation? I'm gonna show you seven ways that you can do that now. Number one, define your position and your messaging. Now, the types of designers that come into trouble with these types of difficult clients are the ones who aren't positioned very effectively. In fact, they're more likely positioned as a jack of all trades who can do absolutely everything that a client wants them to do. But you need to specialize within a particular niche. You need to specialize within a particular area that you can really become an expert in, that you can really turn your focus to and become known as the go-to person within that space, within your given niche. So make sure you identify what your position in the market is and then refine your messaging across your website, across your social channels to begin speaking about this area of specialization. Number two, clarify what you don't offer as well as what you do. Now, there are a lot of clients out there with high expectations and they tend to expect that a designer can wear many different hats and perform any task that's put in front of them from environmental design to motion graphics. So it's really important that you identify exactly what your client's needs are first and foremost. What is it that they're looking for as an outcome and clarify where you can help them and where you can't. Number three, discuss budget early. Now, I was definitely guilty of this early on in my career. I would be just happy that a prospect was speaking to me and showing interest in taking me up on my services. And all of a sudden I would be on the phone with a client for one or two hours and going through some follow-up emails and showing them what I do only to get to the realization later on when I put my costing in front of them that they couldn't afford my services. So make sure that you speak about budget upfront and make sure they have the budget to be able to afford you. Number four, define and communicate your minimum costs. Now, it's important that you have clearly defined internally what your minimum costs are. What is that minimum invoice amount so that if somebody comes to you with a particularly small job, you can simply put that figure in front of them and say, listen, this is my minimum cost for working with me. So maybe you have some other projects that I can do. Or they might come to you with an undefined budget and they don't know what they should be paying for. So it's important that you put a lower level of what you're prepared to start work with at and put that in front of them so that there's no going back and forth and there's no time lost here. If they can't afford your services, you'll filter them out this way. Number five, clarify your processes and requirements. Now, this relationship that you have with your client is in fact a relationship. You will be producing work, but they will be providing input. And it's really important that you clarify what your processes are and what your expectations of their input is. 
And this can literally save you months. If you communicate that early on, it will be top of mind with the client and they'll be less likely to drag their feet on communication. So make sure you clarify what your processes are, um, what their requirements are within your relationship. Number six, define conditions within your contract. Now, this is really, really important. It's really important for the way you want to be paid, the inclusions within the scope of your work, including any kind of revisions. If you don't have a contract, then you have nothing to fall back on. And some clients can think that they are entitled to unlimited revisions or they're entitled to pay you whenever they choose. So it's really important to get your conditions down within your contract and make sure that's agreed to early on. And number seven, get a large down payment. Now, I made this mistake early on in my career and it wasn't until probably about 18 months into my career that I actually felt the brunt of this mistake. I had been making this mistake for about a year and a half, but I never got bitten in the backside because of it. But then I took on a client and I invested a lot of time and effort into this client without any kind of down payment. And after a couple of months, the client just disappeared. They stopped returning any of my emails and I had put a lot of time and effort into this work without any kind of down payment. So they weren't invested in the job and they simply disappeared and I lost out on all of that time. Now, of course, that is a novice mistake, but it's really important to instill these processes into your business and make sure that you have your processes there and you get that down payment early on. If you put a hefty down payment upfront, then it will scare off these types of clients that just want to take as much as they can without committing to anything. So make sure you identify what your down payment rate should be, what percentage of the overall product it should be, and get that before you start work. Now look, not all clients are bad. In fact, I've dealt with some of the best clients in the world, some really, really nice people, and they are the types of clients that I want to work with. We are aligned in terms of our values and beliefs, and I've developed my processes to make sure that I don't work with the other types of clients because they can really make your life a misery and they can really make you question what you're doing and why you're doing it. So put that barrier up in front of your business, protect your business and make sure you take that time and energy and positivity and pump that back into your business to make sure you grow that business. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to learn more brand strategy techniques to level up your skills, make sure you check out brandmasteracademy.com. There's plenty of free resources and premium content for you to download and get you going. If you'd like to join our Facebook group full of like-minded brand strategists, all learning from each other, then find us by searching for the Brand Strategy Community, where you can find exclusive content for members as well. If you enjoyed this content, please be sure to give us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listened. And make sure you tune in for the next episode of the Brand Master Podcast.